G'day, and welcome to the AOS Coaches 2021 sneak peek into the Magakin of Nurgle Battle Tome. Now, Games Workshop were kind enough to send me out this early copy, so in this video, I'm going to focus on the Nurgle Allegiance abilities and share some of my initial observations with you with a match play focus. Now, there are a lot of changes in this Battle Tome, and as you can imagine, this book has been updated significantly considering that the first Battle Tome was developed in 1st edition Age of Sigma. So to help avoid making this video too long, I've separated the key War Scroll changes, the battle tactics, the battalions, and the grand strategies into another video that you'll find either immediately upon release or not long released after it. You'll find this book is chock full of art, narrative gems, path to glory rules, a code for a digital battle tome rules in the new AOS app, as well as a sweet map of Gairan. As always, I'm going to avoid all of the lore spoilers so you can enjoy this book, and I'm just going to get straight into the rules that you're going to need to know for your army. Magakin of Nurgle armies have gained a whole new bunch of allegiance abilities, as well as keeping that cycle of corruption and summoning from previous books. However, I will caveat that they have been updated. You're also going to gain the Magakin of Nurgle keyword, and you're going to find that throughout the theme of your army. Now, you've gained six sub-factions to help you build a specialized force. Munificent Wanderers, the Droning Guard, and the Drowned Men all featured in the Wrath of the Everchosen supplement. However, they've also changed. Now, I'm going to look at some of the new sub-factions as well as the old ones in the next slide. Like the Cities of Sigma, Nurgle armies can now take Coalition units. Now, Coalition units aren't treated the same as allies, which means that you're going to be able to give them enhancements, extra spells, extra artifacts, as well as picking up units that are higher points values because you don't have to worry about that ally cap. Now, they won't count towards your minimum battle line requirements though, and you can't pick them as your general. Two in every four of your units can be brought from the Slaves to Darkness book so long as they can take the Mark of Chaos. Now, this could be your Varangard, it could be your Chaos Warriors, it could be Marauders, or it even could be Soul Grinder, for example. You're not restricted to just those four, they're merely an example. One in every four can come from the Skaven book, but specifically it has to come from Clan Pestilence. So you're looking at things like your Plague Priest and your Plague Priest on Furnace. You could be looking at your Plague Monks. It could be looking at a Plague Claw. Now, finally, one in every four can come from Beasts of Chaos, so long as it doesn't have the Zinch keyword. Now, that could basically be anything in the book outside of things like your Zangor, so either your Zangor on foot, your Zangor Enlightened, your Zangor Shaman, or your Zangor Skyfires. But if you want Doom Bulls, if you want to have a Saigor or a Bulgor, you want to have a Jabberslife, you want to have anything from Beasts of Chaos, so long as it doesn't have the, uh, the Zinch keyword. Disgustingly Resilient is no longer just for Nurgle Demons, so all of your Magakin of Nurgle keyword is going to gain the 5-up ward. In addition to that, you will get to heal one wound at the start of your hero phase for each of the Magakin of Nurgle models, which is going to be great when you consider that you can also then boost it up through things like heroic actions or maybe an endless spell. 
The big change to Nurgle is the addition of diseased rules, which you might have seen in Warcom's sneak preview. However, we'll go into a little bit deeper here. It's a great mechanic. It is going to require you to keep track with counters. But if I was you, I would just order a bunch of eight-sided dice. They're called D8s. And that'll help you as a Nurgle player keep a track of those disease points on your opponent's units without getting confused with any wound counters or the D6s you would roll for throughout the game. The way Diseased works is at the end of the movement phase and at the end of the combat phase, which means both you and your opponent's turns, you will get to allocate one disease point for each enemy unit that is within three inches of a friendly Maggotkin of Nurgle unit. Now that seems simple enough. If my free guild guard are within three inches of one Nurgle unit, I'm allocated one disease point. Now a unit can only have a maximum of seven disease points at any time. And you'll quickly see that there are spells and abilities that allow you to rack up these points. Things like Flesh Peeler and Noxious Nexus are as an artifact, the Plague Squall spell, the Munificent Wanderer sub-faction. They're just a few ways that you're gonna be able to boost your disease points. At the start of the Battleshock phase, you make a bunch of dice rolls for each enemy unit that has disease points. Now let's say that my free guild guard had six disease points racked up in this particular turn. You're going to roll six dice. And for each four plus that you roll, that is a mortal wound that is set against my free guild guard. And then the counter of the disease points resets to one. So they're always going to carry around at least one disease point. Now there are some ways to heal and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But what it means is you're going to get great opportunities and you can reduce that dice roll as well. Some spells and abilities allows you to bring that down from a four plus two. So keep that in mind. So you're going to be doing a whole bunch of chip mortal wounds uh, based on diseased. Now, an enemy unit can attempt to reduce or remove the disease tokens through healing. Now, they would have to choose either to heal a wound or to remove one disease point. So if I have the ability to heal one wound, I can allocate a wound or a disease point. I don't get both of them. Now, let's say at the end of the, I don't know, the combat phase, I had an ability to heal if I slain some models. Uh, let's say I could heal three wounds if I slain some models. That means that I've got a combination here where I could either heal three wounds, heal three disease points, or a combination at my choosing. But either way, if I use heroic actions, which is obviously at the start of the game or start of the round, it does mean that I could heal a disease point and you could just reallocate it through movement or through combat. Another way to boost up those disease points is through diseased weapon ability. So when you roll an unmodified six to hit with either a missile weapon or a melee weapon, if you roll that six unmodified, your attack is going to inflict one disease point in addition to its damage. So you can see quickly if you're gonna be in combat and you're doing a lot of attacks, there is a good chance you're gonna get up to those seven uh, disease points maximum, and then hopefully do those chip mortal wounds at the Battleshock phase. Now, I previously mentioned that you get to heal one wound at the start of the phase for each Maggotkin of Nurgle through Disgusting Resilience. Now, should you have a Great Unclean one, Horticular Slimax, the uh, Glotkin, or Festus the Leech Lord, you'll be able to boost that heal to D3 units so long as they're within 14 inches of 
great unclean one, Horticulus, etc., etc. Now, some of these heroes did get additional wounds on their profile, and then you've obviously got the heroic action. So, if you really want to double down on healing, you're going to have some great abilities through again the great unclean one, Horticulus, the generic disgusting resilience, as well as heroic action, Emerald Life Swarm, other healing abilities. Now, the previous Magikin of Nurgle book never had sub-factions until Wrath of the Ever-Chosen, uh, that supplement, introduced them. Now, immediately you're going to see when you look at the sub-factions that there are going to be specific builds and benefits. The great news as well is that you are not locked to a specific artifact or a command trait like other books had throughout first and second edition. So great news, it's kind of kept with the themes of the Auric War Clans and the Stormcast third edition books. Munificent Wanderers is going to give a boost to large units of Plague Bearers. So having 10 models or more, and I say large because the minute you lose one Plague Bearer, you're going to lose that benefit. So you might want to reinforce those Plague Bearers at least once. But if your unit is 10 or more models, they are going to give out two disease points instead of one through the movement phase or the combat phase. Droning Guard is going to give a minus one to hit for Plague Drones in the first battle round or in the battle round that they're set up in. Your Blessed Sons are going to deal extra disease points through a dice roll when one of your models is slain. So you're going to roll, uh, if you roll a six when it dies, you allocate an extra disease point in addition to the ones you dealt in combat or the ones you dealt in the movement phase. It is based on mortals though, so not only is your Black Kings going to benefit, but other Magikin of Nurgle blessed uh, sons mortals like your Puskoyles and your various heroes. Drowned Men are going to give your Lord of Afflictions and your Puskoyle Blight Lords a pre-game move up to 8 inches. Befouling Host is a more generic build, although it does require you to have a Demon General. And if you do have a Demon General, it is going to give you an extra Feculent Narmor at the start of the game. So it means you'll be setting up two Feculent Narmors instead of one. Filthbringers provides a very interesting unit option that is not available to any of the other sub-factions, and that is the Rot Coven. Now, the Rot Coven is a group of three uh, Rotbringer sorcerers, and what it does is it acts, they act as separate units, so they're three individual wizards. But if they are within three inches of each other, if there's two of them within three inches or three of them within three inches, they're going to be able to get one of them to get either a plus two or a plus three to a single cast, unbind, or dispel roll. So that's quite a cool little trick. The other element to the sub-factions to consider will be your unlocking of battle line options. Your Plague Bearers and your Black Kings are always going to be generic battle line in Maggot Kin of Nurgle, so you're always going to have the ability to double reinforce them. Now, in addition to the Plague Bearers and the Black Kings, there are three different battle line options to unlock through your sub-factions. Your Beasts of Nurgle become battle line through the Befouling Host. Your Plague Drones become battle line through Droning Guard. And your Puskoil Blight Lords become battle line in Drowned Men. Or if your General is a Lord of Affliction. It's nice to have some flexibility in your battle line options. However, I suspect that your traditional Plague Bearers or Black Kings will be the most common battle line options depending if you're mortal or demon. However, I would consider potentially if you are going Befouling Host, the Beast of Nurgle is a great option because it is your cheapest battle line option, which means you get to spend more points on maybe your great unclean ones or you know something a bit hard hitting. While if you are thinking about maybe going an aggressive low drop build, 
you, you know, the pus girls as battle line might actually be a really nice, especially when you think about that free eight inch move in one of your sub factions. Now, if I haven't already mentioned this particular point, the old Rotbringer keyword isn't nearly as important in this book as it used to be. And you might have recognized right at the start of the video that it looks like a lot of those artifacts and spells have disappeared. It's not that they've disappeared. It's the fact that the book is really split now between Mortal and Demon instead of Mortal, Demon, and Rotbringer. And there's a lot of double up when I looked at the old book as well. Now your sub-factions, as I previously mentioned, the enhancements have followed the Stormcast and the Auric Warclans, where your command trait and your artifacts are no longer tied to the sub-faction, which means you're going to get the level of customization that lets you build what you want to build. Now you're going to get access to six command traits for your mortal heroes and three for your demon heroes, eight artifacts for mortal and six for demon, and then six spells for the mortals and three for the demon. One big thing you're going to notice is that the old foul Regenesis spell is no longer available to any Nurgle wizards. It doesn't appear, at least I didn't see it. I'll talk about the wheel in a minute. But until then, know that that foul, that foul Regenesis is not there. All of your favorites like the Wither Save and the Rust Fang are still around. They're still there to be chosen. However, they have been updated. You will notice plenty of those enhancements are going to interact with the disease point mechanic. So it's either going to increase the amount of disease points that you might allocate to a enemy unit, or it actually will make the, the dice roll a lot easier at the end of the turn. So you get to score more points, which means if you can rack up those disease points and you can bring that down to, let's say, a three up instead of a four up, you're going to do a whole bunch more mortals. Some of my favorite options are going to include the overwhelming stench command trade. Now this is for mortal heroes and why I love this is it stops enemy units issuing or receiving commands wholly within seven inches of that hero. The fleshy abundance spell adds plus one to the wound characteristic for friendly demon units, which is going to make your plague bearers three wounds each. Whoops, I just told you a spoiler. Your plague bearers have a base wound of two. Now you've got to have three if you have fleshy abundance on one unit. The Gift of the Febrile Frenzy Demon Command allows you to, once per battle, boost to plus one attack for friendly Nurgle units that are wholly within seven inches. So if you consider a powerful beacon like the Great Unclean one with a massive base, that is a large boost area um, within seven inches of the Great Unclean one. The other one I'd call that is the Magnificent Buboss. Uh, that's a mortal spell, and I've subtracted one from the hit rolls, but also the chanting, casting, dispelling, and unbinding roll. So quite flexible. If you think about a uh, a priest-based army, you're able to like reduce, you know, minus one to the chanting rolls. If you're, you know, up against a casting army, minus one to the casting. Or if you're up against more of a combat-focused army and you're not worried too much about spells and prayers, you could do minus one to hit roll. So I love the flexibility of that. So you still roll a dice to see where you start on the Wheel of Corruption. However, you are going to see the differences here. So number one, if you roll a one, it's all Magakin of Nurgle heroes gain a four-up ward. If you roll a two, all units are treated as being within 14 inches for the Locust ability, so your, um, your D3 heal as, as opposed to a one. If you roll a three at the start of your hero phase, you get to roll a number of dice equal to the battle round. And for each four plus, you gain an extra CP. Uh, if you roll a four, heroes that do not have the Nurgle keyword cannot carry out a heroic action 
or issue rally or inspiring presence. This one might be actually my favorite, being able to stop someone doing inspiring presence or even you know, use a, a rally that's pretty amazing or stop them from receiving an extra command point, healing up through the heroic action ability. Number five subtracts one from the charge rolls from enemy units that don't have the Nurgle keyword, but also enemy units that don't have the Nurgle keyword can't finish a pile-in move closer to a friendly Nurgle unit than they were at the start of the move. So it means they're not going to be able to pile in and get more models. In fact, they need to kind of move out and maybe you'll get even less damage kind of allocated to you because they've had to move away slightly. Finally, on a six, you get to add one to the disease rolls that you need to make. So it brings that dice roll from a four to a three. And then when you get to the top of the cycle, the corrupted regrowth, at the start of the hero phase, you're going to gain an extra CP for every feculent Narmor in your army on the battlefield. Nurgle armies are still going to get access to summoning new units throughout the game. Now, the rules for contagion points are basically still the same. You're going to gain three for having um, friendly units wholly within your territory. You're going to get three for having units wholly within enemy territory. And you're going to gain an extra one if there are no enemy models within a territory, either yours or theirs. Now, one of the big changes from the summoning mechanic is the fact that the feculent Narmor no longer generates you summoning points. So I'll talk more about Narmors in a minute, but you're not going to get those Narmor points for, I think it was D3. So another change they've made is that summoned units must be set up wholly within seven inches of the hero or feculent Narmor. Now this used to be a bit more generous and it used to be 12 inches. It's now back to seven. And you also must be summoned outside of three inches of all models, objectives, terrain features other than the feculent Narmor, endless spells or evocations. So if I'm an opponent and I have um, an endless spell within range of a feculent Narmor or a hero, that could actually block the summoning or where you put them. So keep that in mind and potentially you want to get rid of those endless spells and invocations before you go out and summon. Now the summoning table also has slightly been modified. And you will notice that uh, I think there was 13 options previously. It's now down to about, I think it's nine. You will see there are less options to summon. You can't summon uh, Horticular Slimex anymore. And some of the other options in your Plague Bearers, you can't summon 20 Plague Bearers anymore. You can't summon five Plague Bearers anymore. And you can't summon one Nurgling base. You can still summon 10 Plague Bearers. You can still summon three Nurglings. Uh, you can still summon your three Heralds of Nurgle. You can do a Great Unclean one, your Feculent Narmor, uh, and your, um, your Beasts of Nurgle. But uh, also your Plague Drones as well but you'll see the points have slightly changed as well. But there's a couple of those options, especially probably with the wounds going up, you know, a, a cheeky five plague bearers, which is now 10 wounds, would have been a very popular build, but unfortunately not there anymore. Also, the Feculent Narmor I mentioned a little bit earlier has been rewritten, and I've already mentioned that it no longer generates you those D3 summoning points, so it's going to make summoning that little bit harder. The War Scroll has been modified on top of those summoning points. It did lose two more of its rules, but you are going to get some rules. Unfortunately, I think you're going to be a little bit upset with one of the rules you've lost. So you've lost the Entropic Chimes, which was the ability that allowed you to run and charge. 
if you are within seven inches of the feculent narmor. This was a common strategy for you lot. You would, you know, run up the board, you would make sure you're within nine inches of that feculent narmor, and it would slingshot you into combat. Unfortunately, no longer available to you. You've also lost the sickening blossoms, which used to cause one mortal wound on a four plus if an enemy was in three inches of the feculent narmor. Now, I don't think that's a big change. Look, you're doing mortal wounds anyway through the disease, but certainly the entropic trimes is going to be something that I can imagine you're probably not very happy with. In its place, you've gained impassable spreading disease and encroaching corruption. Spreading disease uh, stops you from setting up a feculent narmor within three inches of an objective or a terrain feature or more than seven inches from a narmor. Sheesh. Don't get too excited, Nurglings. I, I know you were going to love this ruling and start building strategies around taking advantage of spreading disease. Encroaching corruption is going to generate additional contagion points if there are no enemies within three inches of the feculent narmor, and it will also count as a friendly unit for the purpose of disease when you are trying to rack up those points. Finally, you've got impassable, and that's going to stop you or stop your opponent from moving on, climbing up, setting up on the terrain feature. I don't think I've ever seen anyone try to climb a feculent narmor or try to land their large base salarial on a feculent narmor, but even if you wanted to, you can't do it now. It's impossible. So that's the allegiance abilities. We haven't looked at the war scrolls yet. There is another video straight after this that will talk about the war scroll changes. There are some fundamental differences in this battle tome, and I hope you keep in mind that this book was last updated in first edition Age of Sigma, and I've been here since the start of Age of Sigma, and the game and the way it acts and the way you build lists have dramatically shifted in that time. And you know, simple things like being now wholly within instead of just being within, like that's just one change that happened through second that you avoided. So some of this stuff is just kind of catching up. Some of the big changes that I think you're going to need to be across when you're thinking about coming over from the old book is first off the reduction in speed. I just mentioned to you about the feculent narmor. You've lost that ability to slingshot through the run and charge. You know, you've, your summoning got a little bit harder because you're not getting the D3 from the feculent narmor, uh, but you are getting some contagion points still nonetheless, but you, you, you can't get the big spike of three if you were, you know, really lucky. You no longer have the ability to manipulate the cycle of corruption as easy as you used to. That spell is no longer available. However, you have gained a whole new mechanic in it through through the disease points. In addition, through allegiance abilities, some cool new artifacts and enhancements and things like that. If I'm being honest, I really like the disease mechanic. You know, I, I've seen some people wondering about the bookkeeping and worried. And like, look, just go buy some D8s. It's not a big deal. You're going to be do a doing a bunch of chip mortal wounds in addition to whatever you would normally deal through magic, shooting, and combat. And I think. Once you start looking at the war scrolls and you start looking at your army a little bit differently, if you try to just pick up your second or third edition list that you've been running previously and try to plug it into this book, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think you need to start at the start, look at the book, look at the build, look at the types of units that you would like to include and really start thinking about how you make the most of it with this new book. And I previously mentioned to you things like plague bearers have now gone up to two wounds instead of the one and i mentioned earlier fleshy abundance that spell will then make one of those units three wounds all of a sudden that start might to go well i'm going to bring up a, a block of 20 and that turns them into 
um, you know, a tar pit of up to 60 wounds um, while I've got the spell on it. So that becomes very, very powerful. And then how I might support it through Herald, a great unclean one, et cetera, et cetera. Now I can assure you these are not the only changes. And I mentioned to you, I will be doing another video straight after this that'll talk about the match play battalions, the, the battle tactics, the changes on key war scrolls. But I want to hear from you, Mr. or Mrs. Nurgle player. Let me know in the comments section what your thoughts are about this particular book. What are your thoughts on the Allegiance abilities? What do you like as also what you, you dislike? I'm pretty clear, I think, on what you're going to dislike from what you've lost from the old book. But I also want to hear from you what you like. Is there a particular sub-faction that you think is going to do really well? Do you, you know, have you started thinking about how you might, you know, leverage the disease points? Or maybe some of the other things that might sit in this book. Let me know in the comment section. I'm always curious to hear. And as you can imagine, there will be some list teching that'll happen once the FAQ hits. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more for tooth.